Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? Uh, Dave Attell and I sat down in the showroom of the Comedy Cellar while I was in New York filming the pilot with Judd. Very, very exciting. I've wanted uh, Attell on the podcast for uh, as long as I can remember. He's amazing and a great, very, very sweet guy. So let's get to it as quickly as possible. The ad for this uh, episode is Squarespace. Squarespace, as you know, is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. They feature an elegant interface... Interface... (laughs) They always mess up that word. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. So try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter code WEIRD to get 10% off. As you know, building a website can be tough, and even if you know your way around coding, creating something that looks good and works well is a time-consuming affair. Whether it's for a business site, a portfolio, a restaurant, or whatever else, in this day and age, you probably need one anyway. Well, lucky for us, Squarespace makes it easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful website templates for you to work with. Not only that, but the templates are part of their responsive design, which means your websites scale to look great on any device, further minimizing the hassles of making a website on your own. Every website you build also comes with a free online store if you need it. Need something simple, but powerful? Minimalistic, even? Their cover page feature allows you to set up a beautiful one-page online presence in minutes. Seriously, you can't beat the ease and simplicity of Squarespace. They give you 24-7 online customer support and a beautiful website for only 8 bucks a month. You can get a free domain name if you buy Squarespace for a year. So what are you waiting for? Start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. And when you do, to support the show, <laughs> make sure you use offer code WEIRD and you'll get 10% off your first purchase and you'll show your support for You Made It Weird. Thank you, Squarespace, for your support of You Made It Weird. Squarespace, build it beautiful. All right, everybody, enjoy David Tell, and uh, we will see you <laughs> see you soon. God, what is wrong with me this morning? All right, get into it. People will be coming in to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Have you ever seen what a podcast looks like? This is what it looks like. It's over there. Way. It's in the corner. Right, thank you. That's a good way to start, actually. People will know that there will be people. It's okay. People coming and going. It's kind of like Good Morning America. There's people waving as well. <laughs> Except they're not behind glass. I prefer people behind glass. Yeah, I like glass. that too. Uh, no, that's fine. Uh, this is uh, this is like your this is your home. This is this is the only place I've ever seen you. Actually. Yes, this is uh, like Batman. This is my uh, Gracie Manor. <laughs> Wait, Gracie? What is it called again? Wayne Manor. Wayne Manor. Oh, sorry, I was thinking of Gracie Mansion. Uh, what a, uh, starting off on the wrong foot. I apologize. I apologize to all the Comic Con fans of this podcast. Are you intimidated talking to these nerds? No, no. I. Um, there are some people from your kind of you know group. My that, world. You yeah. know, you're like Dove did this podcast. The, Dove, Dove Davidoff, Kurt very Metzger, funny guy. Kurt Big J has done a live. Episode. I call them the next wave of comedy. <laughs> they are the next wave. You think so? Yeah, because they're great. They will be uh, they will be fighting the good fight long before I'm gone. <laughs> That's what I think. You th- wait when I'm managing like a newsstand or a <laughs> Staples or something like that. They'll be out there still hitting it. Well, those, those are three very very funny guys, and those were the guys that I knew uh, from my US where I started around the corner at the Boston. They would all pop in. See, I thought I I worked the Boston, and I never saw you there. I must have been there like ten years ahead of you. 
Yeah, maybe. Was I'm 50 it? years old. How old are you? I'm 36. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's the problem? No, I, I think that I, I, I had already uh, stopped. Either I was there. on the road yeah. while you were like starting out there, or I thought the club was closed. Yeah, a lot of I didn't people go did. over there anymore. It was 2000, <laughs> 2004. It, yeah. was, it was virtually closed. These were the la- this was the death rattle of the Boston Comedy Club. Mm. On Friday nights, people would still think it was talent night. Remember talent? Yes. And so we'd get a large African-American crowd. Oh, that's good. Friday so that's nights. where you, you went on in front of the uh, – because I remember doing those shows too. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, I just had this conversation with Todd Berry. We got into a lengthy Todd discussion. Todd is a, another good friend of mine. Is comedy. he? Yeah. He's great. I, yeah, I can. I actually think you guys aren't dissimilar. I was listening to your album today, and I heard notes of you know a similar influence. Me and Todd, you and Todd, which is I, I only hmm. say that because I don't I think, think you get that. I think okay. I hear a, a, a Todd like subtlety. Hello, ladies. I'd say I'd give more credit to Todd because I think Todd's jokes are really like uh, you know the the uh, it has to have really uh, you know like he, he talks about his real experiences. I kind of make make shit up. Are we allowed to uh, cuss? You may. Yeah, you, it's encouraged to cuss. Okay. You do. Uh, you do do a lot. A lot of phony balonies. A phony baloney. I like that. <laughs> I'm a silly Billy, and uh, you know. <laughs> well, uh, what, what were your thoughts about that? Like, why? Why do the uh, the, the make em ups? You know, it, with your Louis and all these guys and Marins leading the charge of being like, no, this is what uh, it's really like to have two children or whatever. Right. You you are in the almost like an absurdist place where you talk about losing your virginity to a, a bearded woman, for example. Well, I think that uh, the uh, the majority of uh, of the good of comedy is that like you get to create create a world with every sentence, and uh, you know. Um, you know, unlike a movie or something like that, you don't have to Pixar it or green screen it. You can right. just, you know, it's the power of words and, uh, you know, active imagination. I, I, what can I tell you? you know, yeah. It's like, uh, I, I like that aspect of it. I think now there is definitely this kind of like, here is my story, which I kind of find a little boring unless it involves like the rodeo and, <laughs> you know, like some kind of meth problem. Uh, I don't need to hear your story about going to Bed Bath & Beyond and seeing, you know, your, your psychologist, you know? Like life is boring. Yeah, I, I feel like we live in a kind of like, uh, you know, we, we live in a pretty uh, tame and lame world. Yeah. Know? Do you feel that way yourself? Or I, I see like somehow you're in the zone right now. Things are going your way. No, I mean, yeah, but I like to tell people, a lot of times people will be like, oh, wow, you're doing all these things, like in, a, in an uptime. Your career. Like, yeah, career-wise, yes. people will be like, you're doing all these things. And even when you are busy, there's just so much downtime there's so much like what the fuck are well, you supposed to do like sleeping 10 hours prayer or- <laughs> i don't know what you do on your downtime but hit the gym hit the hit the good book do can both turn- on a cycle sorry andrew can you turn him down a little he's blow it out in my I start blowing you away <laughs> so anyway um no i'm sorry so no what i was going to say is that like we live in a world of a lot of uh you know uh, filters and political correctness especially in the live performance yeah world you know it's one thing for it to be on the web but like when people come down to a show like here at the comedy cellar there's a lot more groans than there are oohs you know like oohs and groans right you know like that pretty much has become the new laughs you know <laughs> do you get that too or what what, what do you think because i i really feel like you and i have not really crossed path enough for we me to know really. your know your your whole deal no we this is already the longest we've ever spoken this is our this is our match.com right here you know <laughs> it's like christian mingle it please. is okay i'd I'll prefer go with to me on the, mm-hmm. on the mingle as we call it on the big c the no, mingle you know it's funny because i we've we've talked about this a little bit i uh i had a rape joke right for example mm-hmm. and uh it went like this i like to think that there are gray area rapes where you're not really sure if you were raped you call it a grape that was it 
Okay. Yeah, well, that's uh, where you would laugh. Well, I've heard, I've heard that joke before. Grape? So, yeah. Somebody got gray area raped? I think I saw it on the Gilmore Girls. Actually, I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But yeah, if that's your joke, then that's a good joke. It's not my joke. Okay. Well, you wouldn't even know it was my joke because I only did it once. And then I got a long email from a woman who had been raped. And then I was like, well, I'm just never going to do that again. You seem to be in the op- not the opposite school. Uh, no, there's things I don't, I don't talk about. But like, uh, I've had jokes where like, when you talk about like Comedy Central, I don't know what your experience with them is. But uh, like, I've had jokes where they did not want me to do the joke. Not because it was like, uh, not because it was salacious, but because I product named in it. I know? couldn't do my joke about Subway on comedy. Subway. Yeah, so there you go. Because yeah, they were, a and that to me, that to me is like when when you're like, um, you know, you're like, wow, you can't win here at all. You know, <laughs> like you just can't like. And they've been very good to, I think, all comedy. Like they've been promoters of comedy yeah. when nobody else was doing it. But it's funny how like the corporate world, and then there is this world, like you said, people emailing in. Because yeah. I've I, in my last special, you know. I have little people jokes, you know, special needs jokes, and all of those those things got some hits. You know, they yeah. got some some hits, and yeah. uh, usually the person who comments on it, uh, the person who comments on it is really like uh, uh, a self proclaimed uh, comedy uh, aficionado. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I I read the comments and I and I and I do appreciate what they say, but to be honest, like, I don't think any of my material is great. You know, I feel like uh, you, you know mean? everything. I just don't. That's I mean, ridiculous. I feel like I feel like I'm working on. You know, like there's no such thing as the ultimate joke and the the jokes that are more um, rough and ready, as you would say, those are the ones that now you'll never know if they're good because the crowd immediately turns off on the setup. Mm. You know, like, you know, they just like shut down. Right. You'll never even know if that joke worked because (laughs) it's almost like, you know, playing volleyball on the other side goes, all right, uh, you you serve. I'll look at my phone. You know, it's like (laughs) I'm not a great analogy guy either. No, you're good. At, that's a great analogy. Okay, so. The crowd's looking at their phone yeah. and they're trying to serve. <laughs> but what, what, what? This is actually so. I told you that Judd and you are pals, and I I emailed them. I was like, it tells you got to tell who it's Judd Apatow, Judd, Judd Nelson, not Judd. Uh, no, there's Judd three Hirsch. other Juds in show business. <laughs> I don't know Judd Nelson. I'd like to know him. Uh, who's the other Judd? <laughs> Hirsch. Judd Hirsch. Yeah, don't I, know him. I emailed Judd Hirsch and I, 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 <laughs> I said, what, you, "What what should we talk about?" And he, one of his things that he wanted to ask you, and I thought was great, was the role of harsh comedy because you do do. You're going more for Judd Apatow. You, Apatow wants okay. to know what you think the role of harsh comedy is. Uh, harsh. Well, I like how he says harsh comedy. Those are his words. <laughs> Those are his words. But you know, like I consider myself a bit of a comedy conservative, meaning I'll be on stage and I'll do these. I'm trying to to please a large group of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Big tent, as we used to call it. Big ten. Big tent. Oh, big tent. You're going for the big, the big, the big win. Yeah, exactly. And and you have perfected this amazing art of, of the New York comedian who will go up and and they can be drunk. They can. Your album is like I've always said is a terrifying sounding audience to me on Skanks on the first one. Oh, sure, one. sure, sure. They've always scared me. I couldn't listen to it until recently because mm. they're yelling out. It, yes. it's, a, it's a nightmare. You do uh, a great bit, and someone goes like, "Love hurts," yeah, and that's yeah, like well, part of the album. <laughs> I, I I I like when the crowd. I, I I like my crowds. I was just actually talking about like how cool my <laughs> crowds like are. Crowd. Where like they love they 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 get that it's a joke, and they don't need to like you know start a Kickstarter site about it. You know they <laughs> they get it's a joke. They're there to like laugh at things that they're not allowed to laugh at during the day, and they drink hard. The staff usually loves them. They're like, "Man, your crowd drinks." But yeah. they tip. Yeah, you know it's like they they love it. So. I'm very lucky to have these people as my, I guess you could say, fan base. But for if you're going to talk about like uh, you know middle of the road and all that kind of stuff, 
I love comics. Like whenever somebody goes to me, like they'll go like, you know, this com, and this happens to a lot of comics now. Where they'll go like, that is racist. That's this kind of thing. And like, why do you have to be so dirty to be funny? And then I immediately go like, you know what? I've got, I've got like, I could say almost like, uh, um, you know, ten guys, like uh, ten, ten people who are like super clean, super funny, great joke writers, super fun to watch. And you know, why are these guys not bigger? Mm. Because like. If the if the world is Wants against yeah. against this, then why are they not going to that? But people are always drawn to the darkness because yeah. now it's cool to judge and like kind of like almost like kind of like preach yeah. preach preach at 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 it. You it's know? like doing a corporate where they always say they want PG, and then if you say ass, they light up. Right? You know what I mean? They want you so badly. Well, that's to funny go that, that you have that experience because usually <laughs> they bring you to the corporate. They go do whatever you want. They're cool, and then the minute you say ass, they're like, "All right, we gotta let's <laughs> let's bring out the sales regional winner now, and we're gonna give him a trip." Like I've, I had the other experience where really? people people you know, and I always feel bad for like the person who put the event. I'm like, "Oh, that person's fired." For bringing me in here, they're done. You know, I feel so sad. But you do it, and you and you'll do your regular like. No, that's not true. I, I sound I, like my mom. Your club act. Yeah, no, I, I like to think that, like, uh, you know, I was just talking to other comics about this. It's like, uh, you know, consistency and like getting getting laughs in all situations. Used to be like the judge of like this guy's a strong comic. You know, she really knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Now it's become now it's almost become like um, if you get laughs in like all situations, you're kind of like you know this kind of. Um, you know, I, I guess you could say like a corporate brand product and yeah. they don't like that. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's like it should kill in Brooklyn and then kind of do well somewhere else. Yeah. And then that's considered like, oh, this this is a renegade comic. Right. But for me, you know, the person who started in clubs and, you know, all these different places, uh, you wouldn't you, you, you consistently had to, you know at least survive and that that to me is some kind of skill now that is not really looked at well the chops the, it used to be. Chops. the chops absolutely yeah. i know we're going to use some jazz terms schmazz <laughs> it up <laughs> well it's funny that's what todd and i had this big debate about where i was like there's guys uh i always look at this is, everyone listening to this podcast has heard me say this a million times but i look at the rooms meaning no food or beverage service just like you do you could call alt rooms yeah and then clubs i like i like doing both the main difference for me is food and beverage service and, and the price of getting in and the, oh, the expectation. That's what I like to think. Because you got your Burrs and your Louis and all these guys that do both. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's not just the lineup. Sure. Uh, so the rooms are like uh, cardio. That's what makes you like lean and kind of fast and kind of with it. And then the clubs are like weights and they make you strong. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the thing that I find is if you – I started in Chicago and if you did a lot of the road rooms, you get so strong you can lose some of your vulnerability. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, for example, and this is what I wish I had said to Todd, because he was like, nah, man, you should perform anywhere you can. Go up anywhere you can. And I agree with that to an extent. Mm -hmm. But then I think you look at somebody like Dimitri Martin, right? Right. He would. I don't think he would have survived if he had started out on the road. His persona would have adapted to become a more pragmatic comedian. True. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. I don't like know. You start to squash some of those guys. I don't, I, I, see, that's what Todd said. He was like, nah, man, they would have survived. I think they're too delicate. And I don't mean to. Oh, no, no. I, I see what you're saying where there's like, um, you know, uh, there definitely is a time and a place for every act. And, uh, you know, I, I never considered myself an artist or anything like that. But uh, when you said like vulnerability and all those different things that like the rooms that I kind of started in, if you were vulnerable, they would, they would gut you. They would, yeah. you know, they would basically de-ball you on stage and it was it was a knife fight and you had to like kind of you know 
one man versus the crowd kind of thing. Right. So now, now that I've like kind of figured out what I do in this in this business is, uh, I like to think that like these these boutique acts, as I call them, you know, the ones that that kind like, of come up there, kind of like uh, you know, mumblecore people, these, these kind of people that they're not really they're not really comics. You mean the way I was a like yeah, like these people that come up and like you know their whole thing is like you know they're going to hold a like a you know uh, like a, a toilet brush and like talk to it or something. Like these people, these people are not really club acts the way the way I am. Like right. my dream was to be a headliner, do hour specials. Their dream, I think, is more of a like a, a media thing of like a, a sitcom or a, sure. a, a movie or like some kind of web show with their friends or something. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I, I would say that like club acts, you know, are club acts, and then there's these people who will use it as a platform to other places. I hear right. that. Yeah, and then I think there's always the middle ground. Like, going back to Dimitri, who I think is... Do you uh, like Dimitri? I do. Okay. But I do consider him boutique in the you sense do. that that's a special type of thing that mm. you want to present for special types of audiences. When I used to do The Boston, he would drop in, but he wouldn't destroy. And I used to be like, thank God, because I don't destroy here yeah. either. You know None what I'm of saying? us did, really. <laughs> that's right. No, it was, honestly, it was, it was there was only rough. a few acts there that would really crush it. But what was it like for you coming up? Because... And I I should have opened with this. I'm always giving myself the note, open with the compliments. You're phenomenal. Everybody cites you as their favorite comic. You're just like really undeniable. You know what I'm saying? So thank you, Pete. I think a good amount of, well, correct me if I'm wrong. You're saying it's a knife fight. There's some fear. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. Now it's more of like a, you know, it's like a sad car ride. There's a lot of like eye rolls and like yawns and like, uh, you know, it's like, we all went to Great Adventure, and it was raining, and it wasn't as good as we thought. And, you know, you just see that. You see there's going to be a lot of, you know, like, whatever, second-guessing on the way out. So. Yeah. No, well, that's interesting. But what, what was it like when you started? Like- it was like that. It was, it was a drunken, drunken mess. I went on last, or, like, towards the end, because... Uh, especially here at the Comedy Cellar, it wasn't as hot as it was as it is now. With like you know Louis and like all the all the comics who kind of started here and went on to amazing uh, success, you know, still love this club because they see it as like one of the best places to work on material and hang out with the other comics. And mm-hmm. nothing's more fun than, than the hang. And uh, you know these the the crowd kind of caught up to that. And when when we first started out here. Like, uh, there was like, you know, like now you need like a reservation, like a year in advance. It's like, it's like going to see like a Broadway show back then. It was like, you know, you show up and like, you know, Hey, you want a whole table? Like there was people sleeping in the back. I mean, I remember that. I remember being able to lay in the back waiting to go on smoking, chain smoking and just like, you know, this is my life and I love it. You know, this is just how my life's going to be for the next 30 years. And then the thing, the niche thing that you loved, like became this very, very. Yeah. Now it's like this super, like, uh, you know, it went from like, you know, underground club to Chuck E. Cheese in a yeah, way where yeah. like people come by, they want to take a picture. Right. They don't even speak English. Like there's been people in here do not even speak English. That's the power of, I guess you could say television. Yeah. They've seen it on TV and now they would just want to see it. Right. Know? Well, what what is that? What is that like? You, what do you? How do you call it? What do you think is going to happen with all this nonsense? We need to build a wall. No, I don't know. We need. Uh, do you think it's going to go away though? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. No, it's I, happened I, in the eighties. Yeah, I, I I like to. I was at the end of the eighties, so I, I saw like when comedy was really bad. Like you probably didn't even get to see that. Yeah, where it was really bad, like really like just like anybody who showed up at that this was before Groupon so it was basically people were coming to the show thinking it was like a restaurant and then there was somebody talking and it really was like this awkward weird horrible thing and and all of that fun of like uh, you know like you're working in you know like I was a doorman at the old improv Mm. like 
honestly, it was it was like so sad to see because <laughs> it was like all falling apart. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you've said two things that made me think of Stephen Wright quotes. One of them is he talks about uh, painting mental paintings in people's brains, the power Ooh. of words. You were saying earlier. That's true. And you do that. When you say, I, I can still remember the tickle of her beard or something like that. Well, I don't even remember the joke. Yeah, I know. Okay. But I just listened to it and okay. I, it's already left well, me. Well, that's right. You did your homework, as we said. <laughs> I tried to listen. Uh, uh, yes, I did. But that idea that people are feeling that. There's, there's, such a, there's a way to say, right. like, hot diarrhea. And, and it changes you a little bit if I say that. You know? I see a lot of uh, younger comics now with the performance, the actual, like, um, you know, the way they're telling the story is the joke. Yeah. So there really is no punchline. It's mm. just the way they're saying it. Well, they use like pauses and stuff like that to kind of tell people like, okay, that's over. Right. And that's a, so for me, that's like a whole different world of like right. performance and that's joke called, writing. I call that thank you very much material. Oh, okay. Where the punchline is, is that you're done. Oh, I understand. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? I think for us who, who came up in the club world, it's going to take a while for us to get used to like, okay, that's what an act is now. You know? Right. I'm going to open with my three-minute story and then I'm going to hit with my seven-minute story and then I'm going to close with my, you know, uh, here's, here's uh, some emails that right. I want to, uh, you know, like that kind of thing. So, But you know what's funny is whenever I have these conversations, and I've had them many times, I'm always trying to bridge the gap. It's not just, you know, for a we are the world moment. We're not different. You know what I mean? I know what you're talking about. Sure. And I see that too. And that's just that's just a lot of cardio. That's just a really spry guy who isn't necessarily beefy. You know, <laughs> going with the gym. Oh yeah, the analogy. gym. Well, I chain smoke, and I don't know why you bring up the gym. But um, I would say uh, I would say that you know uh, when you said. Uh, Stephen Wright, yeah, that's a guy that like had a big influence on me. I'm sure he did you too. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, there's something about like, um, you know, he's a mysterious character. Yeah, <laughs> he really is like small child. This, this is a working <laughs> restaurant, by the way. <laughs> it was weird to meet at the uh, Jungle Gym behind the McDonald's like this. But... And we're both just leering. This <laughs> yeah, whole I know. Time. Really, any minute. <laughs> so uh, he's a guy that like I would love to see him like work clubs but he never does like i never yeah. see him in new york and i and i was i wasn't in that boston group of of those amazing comics that are kind of right. like basically the founding right. fathers of you know 80s 90s stand-up those right. guys i wasn't one of those guys so but i'd love to see him live because his stuff is like you know before uh i used to listen to a lot of comedy albums and i'm sure you did too mm-hmm. like listening to his stuff really was like it, it was, was so that? much I had fun a pony or something yeah it was just so much fun you know yeah that is interesting, though, about like Stephen Wright is a bit of an exception to what I was trying to like purport earlier was that he was one of those guys that did go around. There were only rough rooms, especially Boston. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he did maintain his persona. Like he wasn't like, no, I'm not going to open is, yeah. with a Yankees joke uh-huh. or whatever. You know what I mean? Or a Red Sox joke. Yeah. I never even thought of that, that like him performing in front of those. Talk about hard crowds. Knuckleheads. The Boston crowd. That's where I'm from. Tough. I yeah. still have a hard time. Not, really? If I headline, you know what I mean? And I draw some of the best crowds. I love them to death if they know they're coming to see me. Mm-hmm. But if I go and just pop in at the Hong Kong or something. Ouch. It's always, it's, I love doing it, but it's never easy. It's never like, Showbiz is here. Well, if you talk about gym and cardio, like Nick's on a Friday night, yeah. that club. Like I remember <laughs> that was like one of the few places they let me headline. And I was like, wow, man, I'm, I'm playing Boston. And it's like I, I felt like I was playing Vietnam. They were really <laughs> hated me. Like even, the, even, even like there was no friendly face in the room. Not one friendly face because I was from New York. Conklin has the best joke about yeah. that whole like New York guy playing in Boston. But What was it? Well – he, he should he should he should explain it where it's like he almost had to be walked off the stage ah. 
because like you know they wanted to tear him apart and it's a great great story but really like boston like they first of all had their favorites they yeah. had their legends and yeah. then they had a whole group of just younger guys who were like already headlining like they were headlining like a hundred weeks a year or yeah. something a hundred days a week in like in the Chinese restaurants in yeah. like quarries yeah. at like you know whatever if there was like some kind of like a school crossing they, they would do stand up there so they were like they were definitely stronger than I was as yeah, a comic. yeah 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 and that was the cool but thing about it but that was their little that not to say little but you know it's a smaller city and that was their scene the, it yeah. was almost like the mafia mm-hmm. and then you come and we're Providence and you're fucking New York it's Providence scary, another you know? good town yeah yeah that's where but I, I, I first is that what one of them at the connection or yeah the comedy connection that's a great club too man those shit. guys running it really are like you know they get they get comedy oh do they like it. yeah what my my ex wife uh, was a waitress there. Maybe you try. There you to go. Know. Maybe you should go back and uh, get married on stage or something. <laughs> I almost started swearing, and there's a small child. Tell me what it was. What it was like starting. So where where did you come up? What year well, is that? Everybody always asks me what it's like starting. I'd like to tell you what it's like ending. <laughs> I'm gonna since I am am I number three hundred and twelfth on the podcast. I'd like to tell you how it is. To, and by the way, I don't see that as. as <laughs> I could I, honestly. I hate talking about myself. It's cool to talk with other comics and everything. Like, sure, but like uh, you know, the podcast thing. Like, You're I don't know how you hate guys this do podcast. It. <laughs> no, I, I don't know how you guys do it. I really don't know how you do it. What do you but, mean? Talk about ourselves all goddamn? No, no, no. Just like it's a lot of work, and you know, I mean, honestly, it's just like it's a real job. You know, people don't get it. It's a it's a good excuse. But here's the thing: if I was like, "Do you want to have a two hour lunch with me?" You'd be like, "That's a little weird." Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, but you will do this. Well, if you said brunch, as we say in New York, <laughs> <laughs> then that's a different well, story. You know, it's funny. That was one of Judd's questions you're talking about on your way out. Where do you see yourself? That was one of his questions. Where, said, do where do I see, see myself? Where, where is he getting these questions from? Know. The Miss America pageant? <laughs> <laughs> Judd, come on. There's a thing called rewriting. Um, like, where no, do you see yourself in the scene? What's it like being you? Is no, really, I, I like that I've head, had some great times in comedy, but I see it all coming to an end. And like when I look at legends and when I'm talking about like the late, great Joan Rivers, who, uh, by the way, like everybody's always like, you know, um, you know, Don Rickles and these guys. But like Joan Rivers was really the one out there like, you know. Like basically, she was she was like I would I'd like to say like you know she was like a Ronin you know like mm. she was out there like a samurai mm. basically you know through the good times and the bad times and the and the bad times were like ten years and then there would be like a good year and then there would be like another twelve years and then it would, so it's like people like that are the ones that like you use as like wow you know I I don't know if I could do it as long as they did or as hard as they did it and but did, that's what you're supposed to do and survive what they did oh yeah I mean like uh, Schimmel was another guy who like really Robert Schimmel for those of you who know comedy he, he, he was another guy who's like a great comic never really got his due mm. so many like uh, you know biblical problems I always say the story of Job <laughs> like you know with, with like you know health issues career issues you know family issues like yeah. but the guy like always stayed true to what he did and yeah. he was a great dark well-written comic so i always look to him as like a uh, influence you know yeah, in terms yeah, of like, yeah. plus we look alike so. <laughs> i thought you were robert Schimmel. i, I wish moment. i was <laughs> but, but so that makes me feel like you think of yourself as a as a bit of an underdog no i don't i'm not an underdog but i i, I do feel that like i've had my role and that i want to um you know as it's slowly coming to an end now that like what do you mean no i mean like i i really don't <laughs> particularly like the way uh you know like Political correctness and also the amount of work, uh, both social media and whatever, to to actually be on the road and do all that kind of stuff is uh, is it, it takes a lot of the fun out of it. It's exhausting, and I also think that uh, you know, um, 
my own relevance, you know, people always go like, oh, no, you just keep going. No, at, at some point, like, you know, it's like, who is this old guy doing this? So, <laughs> that can't but be. for you, a young kid like yourself, I mean, this is just going to be the best part. <laughs> what are, you're making me think of uh, Stanhope, whose Twitter bio, mm-hmm. do you know what it is? No. It's one word. What? Obsolete. I love That's it. That's all it says. He's my favorite comic. You know that, and right? he's And you're his favorite comic. Well, I, I think he's just saying that because I say I – but he is, is my favorite comic. He's just, what a real comic is supposed to be. Tell that. me everything. Every, everything what about him. What do you him. mean? Tell me what It's just mean. like he, he – um, you know, if you ever look at his first half-hour special, he's laying it down. He's adorable. Every joke is great. And then you realize that, like, you know, once he got off the grid, once he got off, like, you know, after the man show and all that stuff, that when he, like, connected with his fan base and just did these barnstorm shows, as he calls them, like, in bars and, Mm. you know, whatever he does there, like, deserted factories, you know, (laughs) things like that, that, like, you know, that's when he really came into his moment. You know, everybody talks about George Carlin, like, when he, like, quit the Vegas act and became... When Carlin took off the suit. Yeah, that's what what Doug is. Like, he really is the purest of the pure of, like, what comedy is. It's not all laugh out loud. It's not all, like, oh, my... Oh, that's hell... No, a lot of it is just dark and sad and, like, it's beautiful. What is the value of that, then? I think that's really what Judd is... And what I'm asking... Yeah, but you guys are in a different world. Who? You guys. This is for the dark people. This is for us. (laughs) You guys are the, you know... uh, Whatchamacallit... (laughs) You guys are the yo plays. We're the, uh, you know. You're the rancid milks. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're on the other side of it. No, but I. No, I but think what is the be- value in that? Do you think there's something beautiful in airing, like Stanhope? Yeah. He gets up there, he talks about it. his pain, and everybody in the audience goes, like, oh, I'm not alone? Is there, is there a value yeah, in that? Yeah, because he connects to the broken toys, and, like, yeah. you know, the, the, the majority of us like to think that we're. You know, we've been told now that we should all believe in ourselves and like, uh, you know, we're all awesome. But in reality, we're not. You're like and we're broken toys. Pixar, yeah. yeah, we're broken toys. And he, he connects to them. He's like their leader. You yeah. Know? And I like that. But don't you? I see you potentially. No, he's, that. He, he, he's he's fearless. There's a couple of comics that are fearless. And here's the ones that I'll tell you. OK, Jim Norton. Yeah. Doug. Um, uh, to some extent, um, me to some extent, but not not like these guys. Then uh, I love watching Artie Lang because you know everybody's like storytellers. Artie's got the best stories ever. He yeah. knows how to tell a story. Yeah, these are all true stories. Uh, when when uh, one of the best tours I ever did was me, Artie, Jim Norton, and Amy Schumer. Yeah, and I'm telling you that was like the coolest. <laughs> it was great, and the crowds there because like Amy Amy was like just on the verge of becoming superstar, but. The crowds there, it was great. It was anyone's game, and everybody was rolling with it, and we were all having a good time. And Amy's such a great comic that, like, it was just perfect. What a great fit. Like, this, this, this very funny young lady with these old, sad husbands. Yeah. And it was just like, I, like I, I was like, I wish I could leave my body and watch this show, how sad it looks. <laughs> but what made that tour so special? Because it was a bunch of uncompromising Well, yeah. No, like, I mean, like, comics. I think the crowd that showed up, like, uh, they all wanted it kind of rough. Especially, like, uh, you know, like, Norton is a, is a very prolific guy. Like, he puts out a special, like, every year or so. And, uh, you know, Artie and I, I think, like, we're, we, we kind of, like, build to them. You know, and I think even already puts out more specials than I do. But, uh, you know, Amy's another one. We're, like, constantly turning material. So it was fun because every, every show was, like, a little different. And, like, yeah. I always like to mix up my material. I don't know. How, how, do you, how do you like to do it? I like to mix it up, too. Yeah, slowly. <laughs> it's a slow crossfade. Like, do you do, like, a different, um, like, seasonal act? Like, here's my football. Um, oh, I don't um, have any. I used to have some <laughs> Halloween jokes. I was actually thinking of you them You don't do any holiday here. stuff. I used to have some Halloween jokes, and that was it. 
See, that's great for today's fans. You don't know what <laughs> holiday they celebrate. <laughs> I actually have a joke where I say, I don't say Merry Christmas. I say, may the birth of the one true God, Jesus Christ, I love bestow that. a blessing of grace and peace upon you. That's hard to write on your lawn, though. <laughs> don't punch up my shit, David. But you like him a little bit alive. I, I, when I saw you at the train wreck tour, which was great, again, uh, I believe I heard you mention that you wanted them to be rowdier. You, you don't like when they're yeah, just sitting there. Yeah, I don't like when they're there. sitting there. Yeah, why? Plus, uh, that was a. By the way, that that Don't I've done you a lot think of charity events. Love? That was a. I've done a lot of charity events, and I always thought, like, you know, I'm doing these charity events, and I'm making some good money. I never take money for doing a charity event, mm. and like uh, the Trainwreck tour, I think Judd put that together. He raised like six hundred thousand dollars, and I was like, you know, this is amazing. Like how, like, you know, they're really like every town was like a different good cause and everything like that. Mm. And I think that also like. Put, made it a little harder because it was like for good causes, you know, like a shelter. You yeah. know, there's some guy sitting up front, he's a hobo. Yeah. You know, so it's hard to like, you know, do the thing. But I, I, I like it when people people uh, let go in the club. I really do like that, you know. And um, Is it because, is that a, like, like Stan Hope talks about the uh, boredom being a disease. You know that line sure. of his? Yeah. What is it that you like seeing in people? Letting loose, laughing. Can I say one more yeah, good please. thing about Stan Hope? I call him up. I'll call him up. And if you knew me, you'd know that I'll call up a guy and I'll go, check a joke. Joke check. Yeah, sure. And I'll go, hey, do you do anything about like unicorns and this and that? You know, some weird joke I'm working yeah. on. And like, you know, I'd go around to all the different guys. Like I'll call Kurt or Mike Vecchione, all these different guys. And then um, like at one time I was like, I, I'm working on this idea. I wonder if Doug did something like that. And then I call him up and he goes, What? You know, I haven't done a real joke in like 10 years. You know, he's just up there like talking basically now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, I felt almost like, you know, like here I am like this, like, <laughs> you know, I was embarrassed yeah. basically. I was you, like, you know, he was Zen and I was still like, you know. Would you like to go in that direction? I think there has to be something. Uh, no, I don't have the balls like that. I, I really do feel that like at the end of the day, I have to c- deliver laughter. I mean, consistent jokes and laughter to do it i mean like i go off the script a ton but i still think that like that's the one thing that separates me from like your funny friend at work is that like i can be consistently it's interesting i feel like how are you with self-love what yeah i knew this was some kind of that's um, my question for you i knew this was uh, you're not going to indoctrinate me on something (laughs) no I, i i think that i think that the problem with comedy and also the problem with our country is that like you know Anger and hate, like everybody feels these things, and yet we're not allowed to express them. And when they do, it comes out horribly, yeah. like you know, in, in just but like on com, like if you're able to be angry on stage and still get laughs, that is that is definitely a great thing to watch. Like Sam Kinison was my favorite mm. because he was angry he, in the beginning, he was really angry, and like his preacher skills and all that kind of stuff were like uh, you know, perfect for how angry he was. You know, like uh, I, I loved watching that, and it was like fantastic to watch that like he was yelling you know and screaming and all that stuff but it he wasn't doing it for effect he really felt that so i was like that to me is like perfect when i see a guy up there all likable and like you know hey what's (laughs) happening because i know i used to know all these comics and they would have like they would go like yeah my my chick just dumped me and i'm gonna get um i'm gonna get uh you know kicked out of my apartment and then they have to go up there like hey guys uh, Rastas are fun, right? <laughs> you guys, you guys want to get high, man? You know, like they'd have to do some likable bullshit. So I always feel bad for them, you know. So no, it is ventriloquist. It's know? a tricky thing when you when you pick a comedy persona that doesn't accommodate the full range of your feelings. Yeah, and you get to be a silly, silly fun boy when you want to be. 
Like you have silly, sure. silly fun jokes as well. I do. Like it's not just prostitute jokes or whatever you want to say. No, no Jezebels, no <laughs> painted women, as you say in your circle. <laughs> well, what do you think? Like going back to the, well, really, you kind of dodged my self love thing. Do you love yourself? I don't, and it's weird for another man to ask another man that. <laughs> is that a real laugh, or what That's kind of a laugh? Real that really laugh. is. Yeah, no, you're just like Mirren. I've heard that. La- I've heard that laugh at so many jobs I've had <laughs> in my life. Well, you know, it's it's not a tee hee laugh. It's, it's in a not. totally different family. It's it's a, it's a, on the verge of a back slap. Yeah. Now you get the paperwork ready, and I'll come back in and we'll sign that up. It's a verbal up. back slap. I love it. But you, is that real? You don't. No, do you? Do you love yourself? Yes, absolutely. You do? Yeah, absolutely. And but how not- did that happen? Was it raising? <laughs> do you think you were raised? Um, I don't know. That's a great question. I, I, how, what was it like for you w- with your parents? That's a great question. I asked yeah. it. And I'd like an answer. Yeah. Were you raised to love yourself? I think so. I think I had the combination of the father who was a little withholding, which makes you work for it. Really? Then you have the mother who's overly loving, which make, gives you a really? taste of uh, a type of fame almost. You're like, oh, this one oh, thinks true. I'm yeah. the best. Smothering is what and then, it's Yeah, absolutely smothering. It's it completely out of bounds for me. And then I had a dad that was harder to impress, so I worked Why really was he hard. so hard? You know, he's, he's, he's more... What did he He's do? a Boston guy. He's, his, he so took he had, over the oil company when his father died when he was 16, started driving the oil truck. So, you know, worked real hard, was always working. You know what I mean? Came a, an actual oil company, or are we talking a gas station here? No, 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 an oil, oh. home heating oil. Oh, there you so go. So he delivered... Uh, You're the second guy I know who grew up in a home heating oil no dynasty. Way. Really? Yeah. It's not a it's not a <laughs> dynasty. Sometimes when I say oil man, because they did well for themselves, but it was all no collar. My dad still comes home covered in covered in oil and oil exactly. Yeah, so he must really look down on what you do. This no, he talky thinks job. Great. He thinks he it's likes great. it. I if I really want to butter my dad's bread, which I, I just saw him yesterday, I'll be like, you could do what I do for sure because he he's impressed by it. He thinks it's interesting. And I'm like, Dad, I'm you. If you grew up kind of cushy, like I yeah. didn't have to worry about feeding my family when I was 16, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, wow. So I got, I got the benefits of like a, I went to like a hippy-dippy school where they taught us self-love. I had an over-loving mother who was always available. I don't find any, anything ever good comes out of self-love. Can I be honest? I feel that like this country was built on a lot of like... Um, That's interesting. Uh, ...competition, a lot of, as we know, racism, a lot of, uh, you know... Um, Rightism, people yeah. thinking they're right. Yeah. But the self-love thing is usually like, that's like European to me. That's like something like, hey, it's all all right. Oh, what are these German tanks doing in my town? You know, like, <laughs> I, I feel like that's kind of like giving up. And um, I understand ambition and self-love aren't necessarily yeah. the most likely dance partners, but I, I think they are. I have, a, I have a fiercely competitive side, of course. I'd say that your day is probably a better day than mine since uh, but I, I spend would... most of my day hating myself. So, <laughs> First of all, Let's be clear. I love myself, and it's not because I think I'm killing it in every way. Right. You know what I'm saying? If I fuck up or do something wrong, Mm -hmm. I try and love myself anyway. Right. But, like, when I hear you talking about, like, needing to kind of prove your worthiness to the audience, and even liking a rough audience. Yes. And not feeling the confidence or or whatever you want to call it that Doug has to just go up and kind of speak your mind. Yeah, no, Doug has balls. He's the best. It's balls, but don't you think it's also a little bit of, like, self-validating? Mm, I don't know. I, like, I feel I, that like uh, comedy is the most important, unimportant thing you could ever do. I don't know if you've seen any. 
any of these space movies, but um, when that kid was trapped on Mars, it wasn't like, let's get a funny guy up there to get him entertained. So I actually it's, thought it's, the comedy was off in that movie. You think a little bit, yes. It was off. No, comedy, I think, is, uh, it, it, it's good. It takes up a lot of the, of, the, of, the, of the downtime. It's a good way to handle some sad, but at the end of the day, it's like, um, you know, whatever. You know, it, it's great for me, and yeah. the, I guess the people who like it, but... In terms of importance, I grew up thinking that like I was going to have a real job, mm. you know, like and do something really cool. Like I thought I was going to fly a helicopter, or I thought I was going to, you know, like <clears throat> I grew up in the evil Knievel days. You yeah, know? you know, to me that's what a performer was. <laughs> you know, it's like you're going to jump something, <laughs> you're going to jump something, and it's going to go really bad, and we're going to watch it. But you know what's interesting? If we were mm-hmm. packing a uh, a space shuttle, the Earth's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. We are going to take uh, physicists, and we're going to take mechanics, and we're going to take po- maybe uh, politicians. I'm thinking like leaders, you yeah. know what I mean? Not politicians, but someone to lead, and farmers, and all these sorts of practical things. But you are going to take storytellers. And you, what is no, the- I don't think you're going to take any of that. Uh, you absolutely. can download that into like a sassy robot and just have them... <laughs> Spew it out all the, all the way. On well, the why trip. do you think we, we love it? These stories and jokes and moments, and even you. See, here's the thing. I don't want to, I have no desire to change you into me. Oh, that's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, because I get a lot of value in watching someone who doesn't necessarily love themselves in the way that, say, I do, getting up on stage and being a goddamn hero. That's exciting. That's redemption. In that moment, watching you under the lights, controlling the way a room feels, that's amazing it's like a superhero moment i guess so i mean i I like the idea with stand-up is that like you know you do radio and they'll go like you don't bomb anymore it's like of course i do i think from the first day to the last day you do it the chancing of bombing is there at all at all times yeah and and that's that to me is the cool of of comedy is that like you're always one joke away from bombing yeah i was like oh you're you're killing it's like you're really just a joke away from bombing (laughs) and that's how i always look at it and it's really about Pushing it, pushing it up, oh, push too far. Now I'm in the hole. Got to yeah. claw my way back out. Yeah. And now, you know, whatever, it's the check spots and I got to handle that. Yeah. You know, isn't that what keeps it interesting? It's like racquetball or golf. Yeah. I think <laughs> you can't you pick the most uninteresting. <laughs> it's more like prison handball, I think, where like the game itself isn't that important. It's the cigarettes and meth after the game. No, but that, I mean, here you are. Presumably, you don't necessarily have to do it as much as you do, but you're here oh, yeah, all no, the time it, and it's, you it's, like it. The hang now. Now it's like getting there. Like when I go on stage with Jeff Ross and like we mix it up and all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. the fun of it. It's like, yeah, you know, like you're, you're like really like in the zone now of like great things are going to happen to you, you know? Whereas I'm, I'm kind of like very happy to like, you know, do my act, like come up with a couple of jokes, maybe do a project or two. Like I'm not looking for anything. Like uh, people, people, you know, on the outside of comedy, they look at like success differently than we do. Yeah. And like for me personally, I look at it differently than all of you guys, which is like, you know, I've done, I've, I've gotten to like do my own show. I've gotten to like kind of like be, be my own voice in many situations. And, I, and I'm very happy with that. I'm very lucky that I got to do that. And, I, I, yeah, you course. know, like if I, I never was the, you know, the um, straight man on a sitcom, uh, boo-hoo, I can yeah. care less. No, I'm nobody not an actor. wants that. Nobody wants that. But you that. seem to have like an acting thing. Like, I you like, wanna... Yeah, I like that sort of stuff. Do I... you like to play character? Is that what it is? No, I don't know. You know, when I'm home, the whole time I'm playing a character. I just saw my well, parents. like what, what kind of character do you play? I'm doing a young version of my father. That's how I relate to my dad. Oh, I thought you were saying, like, I'm a guy who is acting like I'm in a relationship that I love. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I mean, there, there's some acting in there, I suppose. 
But I, what what are your goals? I mean, I don't really, I really this. don't, I really don't have any career goals anymore. I mean, I, it would be cool to do one more special because I did the roadwork special. This sounds and I could like not you're believe... planning on dying. Soon. No, you're gonna, I, you're gonna I, have at least ten no, more it, specials. There's no, no, way. no, no, no. I'm not putting you're that on myself. 50. I did that. I, I put all that on me. All my twenties and thirties of like, you know, you gotta, you gotta get the material, get the material. It's exhausting, and it's also like fanatical in a way of like, you know thinking about comedy all the time it really is like other people are good at balancing stuff like that i'm not that i'm not that way and i also think that like my own relevance and and and, uh uh, there's still the need to do it because i love doing it but the actual like uh, i don't expect much from the return of it like anymore i mean it's cool that i get to headline a club yeah it's cool that sometimes i'll do a theater gig with like a bunch of other cool people right but other than that like you know it's like as long as i'm not hacking it up up there and if i'm not like taking the easy road then i feel like i'm doing my job you know yeah so and that but i feel like that's my campaign speech people with my job here's the problem though dave the people with that attitude and that is an artist's attitude where yes it is i don't consider myself an artist no i know it's because you don't love yourself but if you did just a smidge more i I really i I really (laughs) love that you love yourself and i like my my initial reaction is to now put you down for it i know i'm gonna be a better guy yeah, because when it, you because, say it this boldly, it's gross. It sounds gross. But it's good that you do do it because I think you've I, actually achieved things it's through not, this love. I think it's important to – but you do. You know, you do. You say something and you love it and you write it down and you repeat it and you, and you hone it and you, you value your craft. There, there's love. So you almost kind there. of like it's your mantra – yeah. That helps you go forward. I think, you know, when you were starting, you were probably terrible, right? Oh, for years. For years and years. Years. Me too. Terrible. But you had to go like, I think there's something of right. value inside of me. Right. You know what I mean? And love being saying yes to that, like going with that, flowing with that. That's what I'm, I'm not talking about going like, I don't always look, sometimes I do, but I don't always look in the mirror and go like, killing it. You know what I mean? It's uh-huh. not that. Mm-hmm. That's gross. That's gauche. That's self-worship. I'm talking about... Being okay, like you smoke, right? Yeah. So you can go to bed and be like, ah, fuck you, Dave. You know, smoking smoking, sucks and it's killing me. It is. Or you can be like, I understand. Like, I, it's not great, but I'm going, I love me anyway. I love me anyway. I say yes to me anyway. Wow. Are you an only child? I mean, I have a brother. uh, And what is he like? Is he the same way as you? No. He hates himself. (laughs) He's like, he's the crumpus to your Santa. He's the anti-Santa. <laughs> Here, I'll give you an analogy leaving my brother out of it. Ram okay. Dass is this guy you, uh, I like. Richard Alpert, he's a mystic. Talks about looking at trees and not judging them. When you look at a tree, you can just be like, that's a beautiful tree, right? You don't go like, look at that stupid fucking tree yeah. or whatever. But you, you might know subconsciously that the tree bends one way or an, another way because it wasn't getting sunlight, so it started to grow this way. Oh. And you don't judge it. You just see the tree as beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's saying yes to the tree. That's loving the tree. <laughs> Similarly, people are like trees. Here you are smoking right. you know what i mean love them and all love that's what but i can look at that and not judge that and you can look at that and not judge that you know what i'm saying that's what i mean by loving yourself yeah but in comedy and people don't really realize it's it's constant judgment which is like <laughs> you're judging the crowd they're judging you and it's just kind of weird like almost almost like a seesaw of judgment that's yeah. going on throughout the whole night <laughs> and uh you know what I've learned, what I've learned through comedy, is that like um, when you look at somebody and you look at them in the crowd, uh, there's them, and then there's the crowd. Mm. And when they look at you, they look at you. They just look at you. Mm. And it was like you know, you have like two perspectives, and they have just this one on you. Interesting. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, 
they always they will always win, you know. Mm. And uh, <laughs> what uh, do you mean? But by, by that I mean it's like um, they the the crowd the crowd is always right and you're wrong and like. You can go down being a martyr, wrong, you know, which is sometimes what I do, like tank. Or you could, like, uh, you know, kind of, like, appease them and, like, kind of, like, lion train them, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. And I guess that's that's what you could say is, like, uh, the skill craft of it. You know? But you think they're always right? Well, yeah, because they're the ones who paid the tickets. It's like, uh, you know, if I if you were – if you were <laughs> – if you were uh, uh, Benny Hannes and I showed up and going, I'd like some spaghetti and meatballs, you'd be wrong because it would be like, uh, you know, it would be like these people came in to a place where they don't have that, but yet they're upset because they don't have it. So now they're going to leave, but you didn't make any money. You right. Know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> oh, you're saying because not, they already paid. Yeah, because they're, like, they're the ones who make it a real thing. Otherwise, you're just talking to a bunch of people. Yeah, you but know? you have to get off stage sometimes and just be like, oh, that – they didn't get me or I wasn't for them, but that doesn't mean I'm not good. Oh, yeah. No, I always leave thinking that it didn't go good. And then I'll listen to tape and then I'll know it didn't go good. That's <laughs> another thing which I would like to test your self-love on your own tapes. Do you yeah. ever listen to yourself? Can't. Could never. See? There yeah, you go. Could never. Listening to yourself is the ultimate wake-up call. It's the smelling salts of comedy. You're like, what was I thinking? I can love what my, was I thinking? I can love myself. I don't know if I can love every moment of my act. <laughs> That's that to a whole me, other thing. That to me. Do you know how many uh, – Kevin Brennan, who's like one of my oldest yeah, friends and Kevin. enemies in comedy. Him is that right? No, he's, he's my friend. And uh, he – him and I, like, we would both carry around those old tape recorders, remember, before, like, digital. Yeah. And, like, uh, he would always go, why do you have a rubber, rubber band around your thing? Like, where's the lid to you, the cover to this yeah. tape recorder? And I go, that's for me throwing it against walls. Oh, my Cause I, God. Because I effing hated myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would be like, what the? You know, and I'd throw it against the wall. And these things were built so well that they wouldn't die. Yeah. So then you just, like, put a tape. I don't know why. I remember seeing you with that tape recorder. Yeah, that was our the big same thing. kind. I love those. As yeah. like, you try, get that, try getting that on a plane now. They'll like immediately throw you <laughs> off a plane. They're like, what is this? It's interesting, though, that like I've seen you do late night spots, for example. When you say plane, you opened a Tonight Show spot with me going the fly fly. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. It's the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, I believe. Right. And it's so interesting to watch a guy like you. You make more sense here. You know what no. I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I know you know that. Mm-hmm. I, 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 what do you make of that, I guess? You're not I'm not t- network ready. <laughs> I think that's what it is. No, <laughs> when clear- you look at the classic uh, television appearances. And Sein- the- Seinfeld and Stephen Wright are like really ready for TV guys. Uh, there were so many great ones. Uh, Leno before his show when he yeah. would do Letterman. Um, Richard Lewis also. Like yeah. when, he would, when these guys would panel, that was a whole different story where it would be like it's kind of cool watching these guys hang out. You knew they all knew each other. Right. Then there would be the uh, the like, you know, like like – when when Joan Rivers died, like uh, my web person was like, we should put up a, like it's like we were definitely going to put a picture. We always do that, but I was like, I wanted you to put up uh, her killing it when she was in the sixties, mm. when she was like, you know, doing her act where she was like not attractive, she's Jewish, all that kind of stuff. It's like when she was up against this man world of comedy because it's like that's when I fell in love with her. That's when I was like, look at the, look at her like she's a warrior, mm. like taking them on, and like every one of her jokes hit. And I was like, that's what to me was like a great like. Uh, late night appearance when they would do those kind of shows. So I would always go into them thinking like, 
I'm going to do my jokes, but I want to kill because you don't want to bomb on late night TV. Today's comics, they could care less about mm. these late night shows. But when I was starting, and I'm sure when you were, you know, yeah. like, we'd all be like, oh, man, I'm going to be on, I'm going to be on Conan. I'm yeah. going to be on, you know, Letterman. This is amazing. I'm going to do this. and that. Really big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah. And there were some guys that were masters at it, like Nick Griffin and stuff like that. But for me, everything was either too dirty or like, you know, fitting it together, making it a thing. I never had enough jokes or then I had too many jokes. Yeah. Um, there were times where I was like, you know, I would do half set and then the rest would be panel. It's like, I'm not a good paneler. It took me a long time to figure out how to do panel. And like, I would watch other comics do it. I'm like, how are they doing this? Like the, the guys interrupting them all the time, the host. Yeah. So you got to be prepared for that. Yeah. You know, the host has to be a part of it too. Right. You know? What did you learn? Is that what you learned? I learned to do it the way I do it and just like, let, let it roll. And like, I'm pretty good on my feet. Yeah. You know, it's just like I can't turn that off when I'm on these shows. I have to go with what it is. And if it ends up where there's some stumbling and crosstalk, then so be it. Yeah. yeah Otherwise, yeah. I would I would freak out over these things. It would take like six weeks, six weeks of your lives. You're doing the same seven minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Yeah. It doesn't even it's not really going to lead to any more road work or anything like that. Now, now you just do it because you're like you want to keep doing it because they want you to do it. Yeah, you know, you know what's going to happen? I figured it out. What? I think someone's going to make a documentary about you, and it'll just be like this huge, well, <laughs> this you could huge be, explosion. You could start it out with the self love tree uh, <laughs> analogy. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that, that was a very good. That was a very good. But you're thing. a beautiful tree. You know what I mean? Like I, when I say I like when I was going to say I love you, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but it's because you can see. The smoking or whatever it is. Right. And be a part of that and just go like, no, there is a tell. And in a certain sense, you're stuck in there. That's something I really like to think is like you're in this certain psychology. You're in all these experiences. You you, you have your uh, neural pathways and stuff. And it's just nice to kind of observe that objectively. Wow. Someone um, (laughs) someone's done a lot of free reading at the Barnes and Noble. (laughs) Psychobabble. Tell me. Well, you know, I'm just going to say that, um, you know. Anybody who does – like we're all it, – it, I, I do see it as like we're all on the same team. No matter what kind of comedy you do, we're all on the same team. We're all up against it. Every time you step on stage, you know, there's a chance for glory or horror. And, uh, you know, uh, from the new, the new people to the old hacks like myself, it's like it, it, it never changes. And that's, that's the one thing that kind of binds yeah, us all. Yeah. And uh, for me, you know, like the fact that like you and I are kind of on the opposite end of the uh, comedy um, spectrum in terms of like, you know, what we're going for or what – what our experiences are. Right. It's good to see that, like, uh, you know, you appreciate me and I appreciate you. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's kind of like a fist bump. But that's, that's absolutely right. And it's just being true. Talk about being stuck in here. I look like a happy, silly guy. You know what I mean? So when I go on stage. Or is that your stage, persona? Which came first. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think they inform each other. You look in the mirror. I think an asshole looks in the mirror, sees his asshole face, and goes, I'm going to be an asshole today. I'm talking about like. You really do think it's a choice. No, I think, I think everything, including the visual stimuli of what you look like and what you sound like and all this sort of stuff, I think that's part of it. But since you self-love yourself, you must love yourself, the look of yourself. Do you like what you look like? Yeah, I'm fine with it. You are? Yeah. Wow. How do you feel and about you that, does that? Do you think you project lo- that onto others, that people look at you and they go, hey, this guy looks... I think one of the things we can do, and you have to understand, I feel like there are YouTube stars and people online... Sensations. They're called do, sensations. Not, YouTube sensations. Yes. Oh, I like that better. That are out there preaching self-love and everybody's groovy and you're special and everybody deserves to be rich and famous. I, that stuff really upsets me, actually. I'm going for the three-dimensional stuff, the, the real feelings and every kind of discernible emotion through the lens of a silly, kind of goofy-looking, tall white boy. You know what I mean? That's, that's how you define your, your, uh, 
I guess you could say mission statement. Yeah, for sure. But I want to show people that the, the happy guy can also get angry. Like we were, I love getting angry on stage. I think it's really funny and mm-hmm. liberating and, and, and informing to people that might think that they're also silly, silly fun people. I believe in pure hate. So uh, <laughs> I just wanted to be the, <laughs> the, the yang to your ying there. But uh, well, no, cool. I would say that uh, that's great that, you, that you're evolved as a person. And I'm sure that, uh, well, you know, you must sleep very well at night. I sleep pretty well. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what does it feel like when you kill? Are you embarrassed that you killed? The... I never really feel like I kill. I always look never? at the moments where I was like, what did I do there? I see it as like... Um, I don't know if you remember this game, the Stratego. No. Stratego was uh, before Candy Crush. It was really kind of a sad game where you just set up these pieces. And you never really had anyone to play with. So you kind of ended up playing both sides. And, um, you know, you just keep moving forward until you hit a bomb. And then it would explode your piece up. Oh, yeah, So sure. that's what I always feel like it is. It's kind of like, you know, mysterious landmine waiting for me You don't there. ever walk around. I want you to I walk like the, around. When the, and... I, I love the joke. I love the joke yeah. and, the, and the writing of the... The joke to me is what it's all about. It's like this very tiny universe of like the joke and like getting that joke to work different ways. Like that's what I love doing is like messing with the joke and like working. Yeah. It, it's basically like a dog pulling on a sock. You know, it's just like, you know, it's just like all the in my mouth. Yeah, just yeah, like yeah. Chewing on it. Well, that's what I love the joke. And like jokes to me are always are, are what it's all about. Like when you brought up Todd and all these guys, we used to all in the beginning days, we'd all go to lunch and we'd bring our joke notebooks and We'd sit around, we'd talk jokes, and to me that was like that was the most fun part of the comedy war, of the comedy experience was this, just like hanging around and talking jokes. This is why you're you're gonna one more special. This is why you're gonna be relevant until you decide to stop. I'm gonna call relevant. it one mo time. <laughs> <laughs> but, so you never feel like you kill, and not really. You're always no. in pursuit of the joke. But what if somebody like a uh, could like teleport? A judge. Well, uh, Judd? No, Judd is a, is a good example of a guy who loves comedy. He does comedy. He's a funny guy. And he also, like, appreciates, I guess you could say, the struggle of comedy. Yeah. Am I right? What do you mean? Judd Apatow, he, he's a comic. He, yeah. He started doing comedy, and then he has such, uh, he, he's a really talented guy. So he had, like, an amazing writing ability and also vision. And uh, he was able to, like, you know, uh, translate that to television and, you know, of course, film and everything like yeah. that. And uh, went on to great success. But at the end of the day, he comes down here right. and does his act. Right. He was on the road. He's definitely gonna, he's definitely doing our special. And, uh, you know, it just shows you, like, the pull of comedy. That's right. The pull of it. That's you right. Know? The compulsion. Yeah. The beautiful compulsion. When people say compulsion, it sounds negative. I think it's a You have to be compulsive to do this. To, to go on stage and need it and really need it. You really have to because there's so much rejection and just so much that's right I'll, I'll say it like i was really not funny for like the first couple of years of doing yeah. comedy and it took me a long time to learn how to do it a lot of these kids come in, into it i think more confident and with probably greater ability but uh you know it still is a struggle for everybody for like sure. whether it's getting stage time or like learning how to write a joke or any of that stuff it, it there's no school for it even though like i think people think that there is yeah. shortcuts to it yeah. but i think it's really just in your own mind like Eventually, things have to click, and you have to just keep doing it. Yeah. You know? That's why being a fanatic about it, being compulsive, helps you. But you said you're not necessarily good when you're only focusing on comedy. You're not good at the balance. I have no balance. It's all comedy. That's all I do is like comedy and you know, support my mother. So really? I really wish that there was more to the pie right now, but there isn't. And uh, at the end of the day, like, 
I wouldn't give anything for the moments I've had in comedy. But I'll, I'll tell you, like, you know, as you get older and you realize you're like, you know, another late night set. All right. Might as well get down there. You know, oh, it looks chilly out. I don't want to go. You know, whereas in the, in the past, I would be like, go to work. I'd come home to Brooklyn, change my clothes, take off my clip tie, put on my jacket and go back out and then do stand up all night and then, you know, get wasted and then go to work the next day. And, and was, was that? It was hard being an air traffic controller. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no. no so Are I, you saying that was a fonder time? No. Well, that was the thing of, when you talk about compulsive and fanaticism. It's like, you know, right. I feel like there's a lot of the today's comics where they kind of start out as professional comics and now they just have to make all that. You know, make them make that happen. Right. You know, like, but you, I wasn't a real comic until like I did Letterman. Right. I mean, I, 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 I never told my parents like this is what I wanted to do. You know, <laughs> and they, they they were like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I have this job and I have this job and I, you know, then I was a waiter for a while. They didn't really like that. And then I was like, uh, I guess I'm a comic. You know, I always thought I was just going to give up and join the Navy or something, and I just stuck with it. And once you do Letterman, that's when you kind of like, see, this is what I do. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, we get it, you know. But they never were like, they were cool with it, with whatever I did, you know. That's so. interesting. But you you almost weren't. You didn't want to yeah, no, I, come I out of the closet. Was, I didn't think it was a real job, yeah. if you ask me. I really didn't As think. As opposed to people, a lot of people nowadays, like you do your two dad, open mics. Like your dad's job. Like, how do you how do you explain to, like, a guy who works 12 hours a day right. doing that in oil? Right. To, like, you know, oh, I stand for, like, 25 minutes, sometimes an hour and a half right. in front of people, you know. Right. Sometimes it's not that great. You know, sometimes it's good. It's, it's great. It's like Christmas Day for him. Everybody. Right, right. You know? <laughs> We're lucky we have travel because everybody thinks travel sucks. Yeah, travel does suck. You know what I mean? So they're like, oh, at least he's getting – he gets paid to travel or whatever. And then right. uh, you tell them about bad shows and stuff and how long you have to do it for free and all that. Traveling – the traveling aspect of comedy is uh, – w- when I first started was great yeah. because it was like, you know, here I am a kid from Long Island. Now I'm in Kansas. Now, you know, I'm getting to travel a- around like to all the places that like – this is before the web. So all the places that like, you know, the cool like, you know, like when you think of rock tours, like, oh, man, they played here, you know. Yeah. And uh, of course, it was not the same experience. You know, you're playing like 30 people at a, you know, Bennigan's or something. But uh, it was still like, it was cool. It was like an education. And uh, now travel has been defund completely. Mm. Like, there's nothing fun about it. Like, I'm excited when I when I get to go to a hotel where they have a laundry. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't even need to do laundry, but I can. So, I, hey, maybe I'll do it. You use those bags and do uh, the laundry? Oh, absolutely. Uh, like, when I can do my own laundry. Like, oh, when you do stay your at like, own a long term uh-huh. hotel. I love it. I love the long term hotel. The uh, mommy doesn't love me right now, so That's I'm just going to take great. a break. I love those. Tell me, the answer, uh, riddle me this, I suppose. is That's so stupid to say. See, I don't love myself all the time. I just was critical of my That's own okay. stupid joke. You'll win it back. <laughs> Someone get a mirror. We need a mirror in here. What if somebody could teleport into you, right, and be David Tell? So somebody who loves you, thinks you're amazing, and has some of the perks that you have, meaning... Well, what is teleportation, anyhow? Really? What is that? <laughs> what you've brought up is like a, one of the Star Trek conundrums. It is a like, conundrum. Well, you teleported into a mountain, or you've teleported <laughs> to another person. That's if weird. somebody could be you, though, oh yeah, and then walk around and, and you get to play here at this club, you can pretty much perform anywhere. And I get to be anybody I want. No, you don't. You're you're just. Gone I'm still myself. No, I'm, you're I, gone. So my existence has been wiped out in this. Uh, in this scenario, okay. What do you think it would be like if someone else who was like aspiring to do comedy, aspiring to have a life like yours, if they could just be you for a day? How happy do you think they would be? That they get to play here at the cellar and they get oh, you, to okay. hang out with people. Using yourself as a kind of a... Yeah, I'm trying to get you to look at yourself from the yeah, outside. I, I think that, um, I think that uh, you know, a lot of people think that like 
I take for granted the fact that I can go on whenever I want or like play like clubs. I don't because I always I always try and use the stage time. If if I don't come up with a new joke, I at least I'm gonna screw up an old one to see if I can turn it into a new one. You know, lemons to lemonade kind of thing. Or a premise. Like, I, these poor, the staff at this club, they're amazing. They love, it's amazing for them to have to hear some of this bullshit and the egos and all that kind of stuff. But they really are like, they're like the doctors without borders of comedy. Like, they just, they're here to clean up the mess. You know, they don't complain. They're very cool. They get it. The Like, they must hear me do like the same premise for like, months and months and months and I'm like well where does this lead it's yeah. like in my head I don't know where it leads either so it's like we're all like hoping magic's gonna happen in the room <laughs> like whatever somebody's gonna drop a tray and I'll figure out where it's going because it's something that I had written down and I'm like oh, I'll bring that up on stage maybe there'll be something that'll happen yeah. like but if there was somebody else who was me I was like I don't know I mean like I think that uh, you know there's a lot of other people I'd like to be uh, than myself do you yeah. ever feel that way like uh, Brad Pitt or somebody, would you ever want to be that guy? I, I wouldn't trade. You wouldn't would you trade? trade? No, I, I, I'm pretty comfortable with. You but know, you'd like I, to. Dabble. I like. The, I used to talk about this on stage, like the power of ugly, which is like <laughs> ugly has its own power, and that, and now nobody's ugly, by the way, because of uh, your feel good, um, feel good, uh, whatever the movement. The, yeah, your your uh, <laughs> your feel good movement, but uh, there was the power to being ugly, where it was like you know, like. Especially in New York back in the day, like ugly kind of protected you. Yeah. You know, like, like you walk around and people are like, who's this guy? And like, you know, I guess now they call it like, like in casting, they would call it, we need like a real character or an interesting, uh, yeah. an interesting thing. Yeah. But back then it was like, you know, we need an ugly. Yeah. Throw a fugly in there. Yeah, you know? it's funny. Casting the, the show that I'm doing right now, behind closed doors, you're all like, we need a fat guy. You know, like, yeah, it exactly. all goes you're not out the say window. That anymore. It goes out the window. <laughs> you're not allowed to say any of that fun, incredibly fun stuff. Well, tell me about your uh, other parts of your life. Are you... Are you uh, do kettlebells. That's what the bag is over there. What's that? Kettlebells is like a, a weightlifting. Oh, you're, you're a lifting man? I'm trying to be. Really? Yeah, because, uh, you know, my cholesterol is out of control and all the drinking and smoking. You know, you got to, like, you got to throw a little... You want to balance it out. good magic in there. Yeah, cut so, dairy out and keep smoking. Uh, yeah, I, li- I like how That's dairy good. always is on the... Uh, sometimes it's good for you, sometimes it's bad for you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think it's always... It is always bad, bad for you, right? Yeah, it's gross. Well, as a grown man um, uh, eating yogurt, it took me a long time to own up to it. But now I do it. You love yogurt? Well, I'll eat it on the road because it's usually, like, the, the last thing you can buy anywhere at 7-Eleven, you know? Well, what about? Are what you, is your road diet like? What do you do? I go to a Whole Foods. I feel like you're the kind of guy who packs all of his meals before he leaves. <laughs> uh, I will bring. I'll bring a protein powder and a shake bottle. Do you know that's those comics true. who would bring like their own juicer? Are you that guy? No, I'm not that guy. Okay, that's the one. That's I would be worried about you. That's that guy. Wherever I'm going, I know they won't have juice, and <laughs> well, I like to make juice. my own juice. I would go into. I remember being in the Midwest and being asking if they had hummus, and the woman was like, what? "They didn't know. Like, they didn't know what it was." And I was like, "I need to start bringing." Stuff. That was like when I used to play Wise Guys in uh, Salt Lake City. Yeah. And like, th- that's a cool club. That crowd yeah. is very cool, by the way. They're very cool. I but, love because it's a But lot I would of always ask for yeah. stuff that the club didn't have. Like, <laughs> they're like, do you need anything? And they were so nice to me. And I go, like, well, I'll just get a cup of coffee or something like that. And they were like, all right. You know, like they had coffee there, but it was the weakest. Like, no one ever enjoyed coffee because it's against the religion. <laughs> so they would like have the weakest coffee. And I'd be like, you know, you're like insulting coffee the way you're making it here. Let me show you how to make it. But now, now they're cool with it. Like there's like a million Starbucks there. But I, I, I yeah. remember the old days on the road where like you kind of ate local. You yeah. Know? 
which was cool because you had to eat their cuisine. Because I'm from New York, so like when I would play like Texas or something like that, Mexican all the time, and yeah. Mexican food, love it. You know, fantastic. But you'd go like whatever, uh, you know, like you go to like these crazy places. You're like, oh, I gotta eat that. So, but I'm not a foodie guy, so I usually end up like I probably eat more chicken fingers than probably almost any man alive. Do you feel that way? <laughs> That's on every club menu, chicken fingers. That's that was a paycheck for a. Long and I was time. like, look how good I am just eating these. A breaded chicken finger, yeah. not a inter- whole pizza. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you where are you with booze and stuff now? Been sober for a long time. Is that right? And you know, uh, since you like uh, from the New York scene, like you, you knew Geraldo, Greg Geraldo, yeah. mm-hmm. and Mitch Hedberg, and all these guys. And we did lose a lot of great guys to like substance. And you know, part of me is like, you know, that's the warrior. You know, like you know, they had a great ride, and you know, I wish they were still here to be here because they were so much fun and yeah. great comics. And then, uh, you know, the other part of it is that, like, you know, you look at today's alternative of of comics where they're like, uh, you know, uh, I think that they're all on Adderall or something. I don't know what they what they what they're drawing. No, there's a heavy duty pot thing going on here. You're not a pot guy. No, I'm not a pot guy. But uh, it's funny. I was just talking to Berbiglia about Geraldo and like. Yeah, Mike is a good guy. He's great. We were specifically talking about like, what do you do when you think somebody's in trouble? You know what I mean? Oh, we tried everything with him. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, because he said it's he was not, too smart for all the programs. That's for sure. That's the problem. Is there's you know you get you get a guy they know what you're going to say. Like I have to imagine comedian intelligence. I didn't know Greg very well. And I, I think that a lot ever. of it. I think a lot of it has to do with this. You know, um, you know, we talk about the need to do comedy, but there's also this need to like, you know, there's nothing more fun than being on a roller coaster and and like you know. Uh, thinking that at any minute you might fall off, and they, there's something to that rush. You think they like that? Yeah, I think they like that because they were smart enough to know that they were doing something that would make. Oh, fall absolutely! Off. But uh, you know, you look at you know, Mitch and, and Greg were both great, great comics, but they also like you know, um, you know, they, they fucking walked the walk. I mean, like they were out there, they they partying. Like I'd put Mitch up against any rock band. You know, like in the in the, in terms of party, you know, he'd be able to hold his own. <laughs> Same thing with Geraldo. Like, you know, when he was when he was throwing down, I would be like, "Wow, dude, I can't do that." You know, really? drink a bottle of bourbon like that. I mean, like he was, he was like he was like a Navy SEAL coming back from a mission. I mean, like you know, we got him, and like it was great. It was it was great, and it was also sad. And at the end of the day, it's like you know, the 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 absence of these people. You know, even though like on the outside world, there's so much great love coming in from the fans and the people who like see that the comics like with Patrice and stuff like that. But the internal thing for me, at least, is like, you know, uh, like I lost my dad. I lost all these things. And like w- when a comic goes down that I knew very well, I, I, I really do feel that like, you know, that that there'll never be somebody like that. And like anytime I see somebody kind of like that, it always makes me like, hey, you know, <laughs> I, I can't even give you uh, it's like I don't even want to see it because it reminds me of who's not there. Yeah. You know? I don't know if you had... Did you lose any friends in comedy yet? I know. It's, isn't it sad that you have to say yet? Did you lose any uh, uh, friends in, uh, to uh, like, uh, talk shows or game shows? <laughs> <laughs> did you lose any friends to a, a webisode? No. Did you, who'd you lose? Nobody. Uh, well, Pat Bryce, my friend Pat Bryce. Uh, mm-hmm. who, do you know Pat? Have you no, heard I, him? I, I don't really know him. No. <laughs> I don't. Well, he, he, he passed away uh, quite a while ago. And it wasn't... Uh, 
It wasn't. I, I honestly, I don't know how he died. It wasn't really public, but no. uh, he was awfully young, and that was very, very. Sad. Yeah, it's sad because these guys are very young and very funny. It's yeah. the same. It's the same thing I would want people to say about me is what you just said about right. Mitch and Geraldo. As you go, they were really great people, and they were great comics. Isn't that funny? People that come want? up to me all the time, like the fans of comedy, and there really is this core fan group. Like when we talk about like we're all on the same team, there's a core of fans of comedy who like get it and like will give all different comedy a try, and it's not just like someone they saw in a movie movie or like oh this guy was on the office or something like that they they like stand-up performance and they like you know jokes of all different types and different acts and like they'll come up to me they'll go like man great Geraldo I saw him and, and I love when they tell me that because mm. it, 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 it like it's cool it's like hearing about like you know like uh, like like you know a legendary touring act and yeah like, you know oh man I was there with you Mitch Hedberg and uh Lewis Black at uh, you know, blah blah blah, man, that was a great show, and it's like, it's very cool because it's yeah. like those are the people that like you want to support. Yeah. you want them to like you know enjoy what you're doing because it's like you're doing it for them. Right, they're the ones who love comedy. So I remember I saw I only saw Geraldo live once, but it was at Stand Up New York, and everybody it wasn't just that everybody wasn't doing well, but then he went up and did like really a very very smart joke so here i am going like these people are idiots and like they just want me to talk about my balls and then he went up and literally talked about like the inception of the universe oh really and the bit i don't i'm not going to do it justice but he talks about like string theory and he goes on this really long run and then he goes and i think that proves a long time ago i read an article that i didn't fully understand and the sound that they made at that like reveal was one of the biggest laughs i had heard well, uh, I have so many favorites of favorites of, of both of Mitch and Greg, their jokes. But the the thing that really gets me about Greg in particular was that he was a guy who was definitely, um, you know, everybody knew he was funny. And, like, on the roast, they even, like, made fun of him one time when they go, like, how many more pilots does Greg Geraldo have to get before blah, 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 blah. And the reason why is because they were figuring out what to do with this guy. But now that we look at it from... You know, years, you know. He did have a lot of shows, I just remember. Yeah, he had a lot of pilots. I remember, like, you know, it was like, you know, this and, like, him on Tough Crowd, which was like, by the way, that's like a, that that show is like an iconic show now, Mm. Tough Crowd. Mm -hmm. I'm not just saying that because I have the hat and T-shirt in my closet. I really do feel like that show (laughs) broke a lot of great comics. And Colin, what he did there with those people was very cool. But uh, you look back at Geraldo and you realize that, like, unfortunately, he didn't live another seven or eight years where, like, just being a comic Mm was cool again. Yep. Because it was all like you had to have a TV show, you had to have all that stuff. Because all that stuff would have come to him. He was a good looking guy, super smart, really, no one was better at writing a topical joke than him. Okay? Mm. And like, he, if he only like had lived another seven, eight years where like, people like the voice of comedy became important again. It wasn't just about like, get this guy on a sitcom, get this guy on a, like a panel show. Like, when that became important again, he would have been stronger, faster, tougher than anybody. Mm. And it, honestly, I, it, that's the shame of him, you know? I think the same, we say that all the time about guys like Bill Hicks, for example. If they had a podcast, if Geraldo had a podcast, imagine oh, oh, how true. much of his audience he could have found that way. Bill Hicks is another guy who, like, uh, you know, I actually was very lucky to meet him. Mm. And I actually saw Bill twice live. Uh, one was at the old improv where he uh, didn't do well. And uh, the owner of the club was like, what is he doing up here? Meanwhile, he was like, it was almost like listening to a dolphin speak. It was so (laughs) above all of us what he was doing compared to the other hacks. Mm -hmm. And then the the other time was at the old, uh, um, whatchamacallit, um, uh, on Bleecker Street, that place where he was shooting one of his specials. And the thing that I really loved about him was like, I was so fanatical about jokes. And like, he was such a good joke writer that he was doing his special 
and then in between, like, I think there was a down moment. And then he just did, like, 15 one-liners. And I was like, wow, this guy's able to do. Wow. <laughs> like, he could just, like, fucking, you know, like, if he had to, he could just, like, basically shoot him up. You know That's what I'm saying? Amazing. I love that. And people, when they watch him, like, on uh, YouTube or any of his uh, specials, especially when he did The Road. He did The Real Road, by the way. He didn't do, like, an alt an alt uh, microbrewery somewhere outside of uh, yeah. Boulder. He yeah. did The Real Road, like, yeah. you know. Alabama when it was Alabama, you know, like right. basically these these rough and ready funny bones and chuckle huts and all that kind of stuff. And he would go up there without retreating and like tell his stuff. And everybody would be like, what the, you know, do something silly, you know, let's see some right. banjo. Or, right. And he would just, you know, deball the guy and continue forward and yeah. like sit down and like, you know, just basically, I love that. I, I think lo- we can agree though, that is ultimately what like almost drove him insane, you know, only. Um, I, I think that the guy is like, you know, when you talk about like, uh, you know, a savant, like starting out at 15, at 15, I didn't even know what stand up comedy was. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, it's amazing that he like found his calling. But I think towards the end of it, with him, especially like uh, when he really got into like theory and what's wrong with the world and everything like that. That today, if you took that and put it today, yeah, you would realize that like you're right. If he had a podcast or another form, it would have been huge. It would have been. I never thought of that. When I see those old videos of him yelling at a heckler and stuff, I love actually, that. I, it, I love it. I was going to say it breaks my heart. It, I mean, I'm a better handler than him <laughs> of the heckler now, but just seeing him like just basically defiantly eyeball the guy down, I love that. But and yell. I remember there was a woman that just wouldn't shut up. Yeah, and he just. I think he called her a cunt about fifty I love times. It. I and love just it. Just like yikes. Well, let's talk about uh, other things. What, what, are you, do you, what do you do? What is it like being you? Do you have a girlfriend? Is this constantly restarting the podcast? Yeah, we just start over and over. Well, we do three sections. Oh, you do? Comedy is Where usually we? the first one. What's the chap? That was just one section? Well, it's 5.30. We started at 4. So this yeah, is I the- got to go soon. <laughs> now, I watch a lot of porn, and uh, I did a show called Dave's Old Porn, and uh, I don't, I'm sure you didn't see it. Dave's Old? I heard about it. Okay. That you was about vintage. That was vintage porn. See, I knew. And uh, the, 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 the cool of it was uh, seeing the icons come out and, like, having them, like, you know, like, we had so many great people on it, like Joe Rogan and Jim Norton and Bill Burr and all these guys. But really the ladies, when I would bring on the girl, the, the lady comics, like Amy did it and, like, uh, you know, uh, what Chelsea. What did you just watched it together? And, no, well, we would, we would talk <laughs> about it because I, I think that, like, especially porn from that time – was more dramatic. It was physical. There were car chases. There was fights. There was all this like crazy stuff going on. And then like I, I have to say, it, it's just like maybe I romanticized the seventies, but I think that that was a cooler time to live. It was definitely uh, that time before like you know this whole web thing where like you know you could basically you know like if you decided. If you decided to go like, hey, I don't want to be a comic tomorrow, and then you're like, I'm going to be a fisherman up in Gloucester, you know, Massachusetts, yeah. like you'd still have your web presence where people go like, hey, man, you're the comic guy. What are you doing <laughs> pulling in these traps? You know, so but back then I feel like you could just drop out and disappear and like, See, you know, you're, you're I love like, that. You're like Bukowski. You're like, I just want to shovel coal one day. And well, Bukowski, <laughs> if you read his books and every alcoholic reads his book thinking they could drink with Bukowski at the end of the day, like he was a great guy because he had like the total straight job of being a, a postal Post guy yeah. and like I never I've never every time I see a postal guy to this day I always think I'm like is he a brooding genius <laughs> a functional alcoholic at night typing away <laughs> chomping on cigarellos <laughs> So and you're not, not you're not dating anybody. No, I'm not. Now what you are in a relationship. I am. What's Did you the, meet Valerie? 
Yeah, no. I met her at Yeah, at very the club. briefly. Yeah. Is she in the business as they She's say? not in the business. What's her gig? She works for a charity called Real Girl, which is female empowerment for girls aged nine to twelve. That is fantastic. Yeah. So she's like a little angel. She is a little she really is. I, I So I, she's I, making a difference and you uh, uh, I've met a lot of comics who like their wife like works for some kind of like, you know, world. It's gotta balance water, it out. Yeah, water it's gotta balance out. Thing. Yeah. Exactly. You need you need somebody on the other end doing something that's not really close to this. I think it's see nice. that would be the ultimate sitcom because it would be like you're the comic, and she like works for some kind of amazing dot org charity. Yeah, yeah. And like you come home, it's like oh what a what a what a horrible night. What a what a what a bad crowd. And it's like oh really? I, I got to pack a, a prep bag. I'm going to. There's a tsunami <laughs> just wiped out. <laughs> But what about you? Are you you live alone? I live alone. I, I really want to get a dog at this point. Um, but uh, I'm no on the interest road a lot. in a lady. No, I do. But you know, oh. I, I really do feel that like the road life. Uh, and by that, I, I mean like I don't do anything now. I just pretty much go back to the hotel and like eyeball the uh, you know mini bar. But I, I I really do feel that like it would be great to balance it all out with uh, you know like um, I, I guess I'm 50, so I probably could go for a girl who's like. 35, that would be right. I don't like them too young. Do you like them young? Uh, well, my girlfriend's 26. That's pretty young. That's a 10-year difference. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's a show business. Yeah. We just watched that movie Iris. That was their age difference. Was it really? Yeah. She's like 92. He's 82. I didn't know he was younger. Yeah, he was younger. No, he's She's... 100. She's 92 and he turns 100 in the movie. Wow. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm well, glad you saw that. I, wouldn't that be great if they, they said it's not working out and they left? Uh, I kept waiting for something. You're 100. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're yeah, open to. I want to. I want to have kids. That's something. what I want. You kids. do. Yeah. So uh, you're open. Can I to say it? it? Mostly, you know, like the kids would be great. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, I would not raise them to be comics. That's for sure. I, I do not think this is a career for anybody, let alone, uh, you know, young kids. But I would say if they had other talents, I would support. Like, yeah. I do believe that. You know how comedy's having this great rock. I think the next thing up is magic, and I would have my kids. I'd send them magic camp. This camp's now for magic, so I was in the magic camp. It always starts with juggling. That is the gateway. But magic, drug to magic. juggling is a gateway to magic. But magic is often a gateway to comedy. So that's a dangerous mm, game to play. Comedy magic doesn't work for me. No, it's, not oh, comedy only magic. Only guys that are good at it. Not comedy magic. I think. What it, it's all about revealing something at a time of your choosing, whether it be a rabbit or a punchline. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, I don't think you've seen magic over the last 15 years. No one uses a rabbit anymore. <laughs> I, I really, I think you're thinking of some kind of potluck show at a church social. Well, what, what, what's stopping you from not going on the road as much and maybe having a little bit more of a normal life and making those baby attells? Well, as you all know, we're whores for the cash. And, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, because I've been kind of broke and I've also had kind of some money. So, yeah. And I'll tell you, like, um, I'm not that good with my money because I always throw it into my own projects, you know, yeah. stuff like that. But I'm not into cars or clothes or any of that. I'm lucky that way. That's yeah. Like, I'm no, not either. Yeah, you're not into it, right? No, no, That's no, no. good. Yeah. So that really is a self-love that you like. Because some guys go, I love myself. Now I'm going to buy a Rolex. <laughs> I'm like, that really doesn't help out, you know. But I agree. That to me is like, you know, I, I talk to like a lot of guys because, uh, you know, I, I come from a family where we had a lot of financial problems mm. where it's like, you know, you don't want that on your plate, which is like you're always worrying about losing your house. And yeah. Because that, that happened to my, you know, we lost our house and everything. So, really? Yeah. So you had a business that went bankrupt and we lost it all. And like, uh, you know, to this day, I always feel that like if I had hit sooner, I could have helped. Mm. Helped more than, you know, they wouldn't let me help because they were like, oh, you don't got any money. But <laughs> like that's how proud and cool my parents were. Nowadays, uh, they would have just done a one man show about it. You know, everybody's so open with their uh, with their problems. 
I love old people that way, the way they hold it close to the cuff. Oh, yeah. I just found out a uh, relative of mine has been divorced, I've known, for like 10 years. Her family doesn't know. Ouch. <laughs> like they just keep everything inside. Well, that's cool, though. That's a Boston. That's the Boston way. That is a Boston thing. I think that's very bizarre. But let me ask you this. Sure. Now, I, 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 I hate promoting myself, so I'm going to promote you. <laughs> you have a show coming out. I do. And this is a done deal. It's a pilot. We're doing a pilot, yeah. Doing a pilot for mm-hmm. HBO. Mm-hmm. How exciting is that to be on HBO? Nothing's better than HBO like in I terms know, of like content, creativity. And nobody's better than Judd. And Judd is an amazing – I would say that Judd at the helm is, 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 is always the best way to go. It's really – well, that exercise I did with you, what if someone could become you for a day? I try and do that with myself. That helps me get in touch with the excitement of some of these larger-than-life things. Well, there's the excitement of it, and now there's the doing of it. Okay, the doing so. of it, I, that's completely different. You're always taking your temperature. How Am I exhausted? Like even as I'm doing this podcast, I'm like, oh, I'm a little blurry-eyed. Did I not eat enough? Because I need to be on – on point. the day for 18 hours. Like, I got to be ready to go. And mm-hmm. when we're off, I got to be looking at the script. There's a lot of work to it, but it's amazing. It's very exhilarating. But the thing that I don't, that I think is underreported is even when you're really, really busy and doing something, there's still days where you're just like, oh, I don't, I don't know what the fuck to do with myself. Right. Where you're doing nothing. So yeah. you come here and do a set. I would say that, uh, you know, I, I wish you much success because, oh, thanks, uh, you know, it's cool to see when, um, when people get to like, basically live out you know a dream or you know go to the next level of of uh their i guess you could say their journey but um the one thing that's different from like television and movies to stand up is like like in stand up you know at the end of the day and this is kind of if you could say a mantra it's just suck it up you just got to get through it i've done worse jobs there's people in this audience who've had worse days you know it's like people you know suck it up that's really what you got to do in Mm. your head Mm. and i bitch and moan as much as anybody else but when it's tv and movies there's so much things out of your control yeah like you can't control what a network will do you can't even control the only the creative process of it really in a way because once the show gets set it's set, you know, and it's really hard to break the mold and like try new things and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, you know, I, I give you a lot of credit for doing that. And like, it Thanks, really man. is more of a job than people think. Um, I do being it, on a sitcom and also all the promotion. Yeah. It's up to you really now to like kind of a lion. Like you have to kind of PT Barnum yourself, <laughs> get out there and get the word out. This is my show. Check yeah. it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, and that I was actually thinking about that today. It's hard, even for me, with all my self love, to promote something, even a show. Or it's funny when I used to bark in this neighborhood, I'd be like, "Come to a great comedy show," and they'd be like, "Is it really great?" And I'd be like, yeah, "It's okay," you know, because yeah. it was me. I didn't think it would be actually that great. And all these other people that were also just okay. Well, this is how we end the podcast, and we're going to get you out of here. I'm very interested in this. Mm-hmm. It's a little personal, but it's sure. the meaning of life and and God and and how were you raised and what do you think this is. The meaning of life? What do you think this is? This is your closer? This is your money shot, as we say in my business? I'm coming on your face. (laughs) (laughs) The meaning of life? I don't know. I mean, there's so many, there's so many, um, you know, uh, as as we, as we move forward into the world of, uh, like, I eventually think all of America and the world will look like an airport where, you know, (laughs) you can get a coffee, you can buy a magazine, but it's not particularly fun. Mm. And there's scary right out the door. Like there'll be heavy security and like we'll all be on camera and taped. <laughs> you know, it's like oh, super a, paranoid. This is a post-apocalyptic. So, so the, meaning of the, the meaning of life would be that, um, you know, um, the meaning of life for me at least is just, um, you know, I was very lucky to get to do comedy. I was very lucky that I got to meet the people who were in this world. Up until I 
was in comedy, I would say that like, uh, you know, it, it did give me focus and I guess a meaning mm-hmm. and that I wish that on everybody. I hope everybody finds that one thing in their life where they do that, where they get to feel like they uh, are, are doing something that's important to themselves. And also like the good of comedy is like when I say like it's the, it, it, it's it's kind of selfish is uh, like I got to do the USO tours. I got to do a lot of benefits. I got to do all those different things. And I, I feel like those, those were great things where you're like, you know, uh, the, the best email you ever get is some guy going like, I was deployed. We listened to your CD to the point where like, you know, we couldn't listen to it anymore, dude. Thank you for helping me get through that deployment. You know, uh, you know whatever. My buddies hate me now because I'm quoting your jokes all the time. But, you know, whatever. And those are, the, those are the things where you're like, wow, maybe I did, you know, help somebody out. Yeah. So that's cool. But other than that, I would say recycle. Um, uh, <laughs> what about uh, solar power is good? You said you lost your dad, and yes. uh, that's very sad. Obviously, do you do you think do you talk to your dad? Is yes, I do. That? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. And I'm I I do believe uh, I do believe that like uh, my dad was a great role model for me. Mm. I really do think that like I wouldn't be who I am without him. And I do. Uh, I'm sure I disappointed him a million different ways. But at the end of the day, like I, I, I'm, 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 what you call it? I, I don't even know what to say. How to put it in words? That like it's beyond, it's beyond me. How how much influence my parents have had on me? They're the best people I've ever met. And like, mm. uh, you know, uh, I'm just super lucky. That's all I can say. Like I was very lucky. To, I wish I had appreciated all the time I with them. You know, because everybody takes it for granted. Mm-hmm. Don't, so don't take it for granted. You really I, Oprah this out. Uh, but mm-hmm. you still talk to him, meaning do you still consider him a presence kind of yes, in your life? I do. So you don't think he's gone? You don't think... No, I, I feel like uh, I don't want to embarrass him. I don't want to uh, bring shame on, on our name or anything like that. But I feel like I'm a broken person and like, uh, you know, I, I'm doing the best I can. But I've I've tried to honor him by, you know, taking care of my family you know financially and spiritually and emotionally and all that kind of stuff and uh, other than that you know i think that he would just he he would get a kick out of like how far i've taken this yeah i think he really would but do you think when you die it's over do i think when it, when i die it's over yeah um there's two different ways to look at that question because that is a good question to people to ask i believe in a presence a god i believe he hates me <laughs> i really do i believe in the old school god of of Noah and, and no, lightning no, no. and salt pillars. Come on. I believe in that God. I do. You do? I you really believe do. in a I vengeful, I angry in God. angry God. I do. <laughs> and people think it's a joke, but I really do believe in it. And then Really? I do. Why? And why I just it, it makes more sense than this other God. That God makes total sense of like the you know, I'm I'm Jewish. So the Israelites having to prove it over and over and over, you know, yeah. prove it, prove it. I, that to me makes perfect sense. The when you die thing, I, I really don't there's two ways to look at it. We're animals, and that in extreme pain, the only thing that can, could, thing that can happen would be to cease. Yeah. So it, it would be better to live. It would be better not to live with extreme suffering and then dying. And the other way to look at it is that, like, um, the echo effect in the universe of like you know, hopefully we come back as something else, or mm-hmm. there's another place where, but. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it really suck if there was, like, uh, whatever, and we just continue forward from where we are? Wouldn't that really <laughs> be, like, be like, oh, so where were we? Oh, I was thinking of buying a snack tray, and what were you going to do? Oh, right, yeah, you always wanted to paint, but you're stuck in this insurance. So, I mean, wouldn't that really suck? Wouldn't that defeat the whole purpose? Yeah, you so, want to start over. Yeah, so what else. happens? You go to heaven. Oh, I don't what, know. You, so you don't believe in it? 
No, I, I don't believe in necessarily the storybook heaven place. I, no, absolutely okay, well, not. You believe in more of like a wind chime heaven. Uh, it's like, it's there. <laughs> I'm actually not sure. Do you believe in ghosts? Yeah, probably. Do you? I wouldn't lock myself do too. in like a scary haunted place if people were I've like... I've been to haunted places. What place? Oh, hotels and stuff like that. Oh, my God. Terrifying? Terrifying. That one in Austin? Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, God, yeah. yes. That's a, that's oh, a big man, one. that's bad. I, I get freaked out by that sort of stuff. And it's, it's hard because like the, the advocates... What do the ghosts that, want? Uh, well, I don't think they want anything. I think they're just stuck in a loop. You know what I mean? In a loop. Like, they think they're just living their lives sort of thing. You think so? And then we're kind of like ghostly presence. What about demonic? Do you believe in the demons? I don't know. I do. I think the, I think the demons and the angels and all that stuff are, are stuff inside of ourselves. You know what I mean? That's an easy way out. You can't animate that. Um, I believe, I believe in ghosts, uh, d- demons, really angels to some degree, but angels like don't have all the cool powers that you've seen in recent angel movies. Where Not they, Nick Cage. They, angels. they can't like uh, do like ninja fighting or swords or anything like that. They basically come down and whisper, and then you're supposed to go and do it. You know that that's, that's God's playbook. Old school he, like angel. makes you do it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. really what it is. But you're open to the idea of potentially you die and, and your consciousness goes on. Um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's – I think it's more of like um, – it's, it's like a great like um, – you know, like just almost just kind of like, ah, for like eternity. Like, that's done. That's funny. Ram Dass said it's like taking off a tight shoe. That's what he says. Oh, that. that's – who said that? Ram Dass. Wow. Yeah. Taking off a tight shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But dig this. You know who said that? Who? Emmanuel, his friend who was disembodied, meaning he'd have to talk to a medium to talk to that person. And that's what Emmanuel said. Wow. So that's some weird stuff for you. I didn't even know. I love the tight shoe reference. Like taking off a tight shoe. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's what his dead friend said, if you want to believe this. Wow. The spirit world. Yeah. If the spirit world were amongst us, how can we get them into these shows to pay? (laughs) What would they pay in? Spooky money? <laughs> yeah, they're seeing a lot of free comedy. They really are. Have you ever played um, those clubs that are supposedly haunted, like Nashville, like where they have like the the, the what Nashville Zanies? Yeah, like supposedly is there. There's a guy. Me. You don't you don't know about that? Supposedly I, like a guy. I couldn't sell. I couldn't even sell to the ghost. <laughs> oh no, it, it's not a it's not a bad whatever. But it's just like there's I don't know. I, there's a guy in show, the back. Yeah, like this supposedly is like a haunting, like in different clubs. And I love it. I love that kind of like feel of like, you know, this is great and there's like something to watch. But when I'm alone, they would creep me out. Yeah. It creeps me out. But do you think there's a. So you think God hates you or is angry? So he's mad when you say motherfucker and happy. No, 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 no. If you look at the Bible, the old Bible, it's always like, you know, one, he picks somebody out to do something. Yeah, like and like you know you have to go forward. Unfortunately, now with religion, it seems like it's always bad stuff. But like uh, back in the day, there was like this kind of like you have to go and do something. Yeah, and that's like when people like feel like they have a mission. You yeah, know? so I feel like that's what it is. Like everything along that road, the journey is a test. Yeah, you know, like uh, the Hobbit movies, if you will. Yeah, sure. Like, you know, if they had just gotten in an Uber cab and drove to the mountain <laughs> through a ring in there, it wouldn't be much of a movie. It's all the twists and turns, and, and the, that's what you feel for your life too. I have yeah, to I feel like that. That's part of like if you can say there's the God in that, which is like you overcoming these obstacles. Yes. And by the way, as you get older, it's like you know you kind of try and avoid the obstacles. Yeah. You know, everybody's like, oh, it builds character. Enough character building. It's like you know, <laughs> you just want to get there already. I've got enough. 
Well, I think but thank you for lovely, having me, buddy. I think that's a lovely answer. Yeah, thank you for doing Pete, it. Pete, uh, you know, I think that we started out as kind of like acquaintances, but now we're, you know, sort of friends. Well, I hope we can do stuff together. Well, I, like I said, I wish you much success. Thanks, man. I, I'd love to uh, have you on the show. That's a no-brainer. I mean, I think we are, we're all looking for a way to get some more to tell in there. I think that we're all going to uh, be excited to see uh, this. It's definitely not just you as a comic, right? It's a bunch of comics. No, it's a scene. Yeah, the whole idea is, you know, we were talking about Artie as the guy. And- what a rodeo of laughter. Is that what it's called? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be a, a telling of the journey. You yeah. know, it's a different journey from yours, but it, like you said, we're all on the same side. Thank you. So would you? End, uh, we always have the guests say, keep it crispy. It's just a thing. Well, all Some right. Some people say no. You're allowed to say no. <clears throat> <clears throat> keep it crispy. <laughs> no? How about I add a little, um, a little cool to it? Yeah. Keep it crispy. <laughs> That's good. Do you notice now in all advertising, it's yelling at you, you got to get a Slim Jim. <laughs> There's no choice here. What is this, North Korea? Sorry. That shows you how... You're ready to do bits. I'm ready to go. Thanks, man. Thanks for the (laughs) warm-up. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 